Welcome to the Black Mind Garden, the podcast that helps you remap your mind and retrain your brain and be more flexible and fluent in your life. This podcast is about planting new seeds that help you remap your mind so that you can master your inner voice, expand your listening and communication, and produce unimaginable results in your life. I am your host, Dr. Maisha. Hey, have you ever thought about learning NLP or hypnosis or even being a coach? Even if you simply learn the skills of coaching, it could come in handy everywhere and in every area of your life. Our mind remapping NLP coach training will give you mastery over language, helping you to improve your confidence, communication, coaching, and leadership. So if you're committed to removing unconscious blocks so you can consciously elevate your performance in every area of life, join our next training. Schedule and training interest call at remapmymind.today. That's remapmymind.today. Good afternoon. I am Dr. Maisha. For those of you who don't know, I am the founder of the Mind Remapping Company and um, the host of the podcast, The Black Mind Garden. So with that, I want to just share with you a little bit about what we are talking about today. And that is what most people miss about the importance of psychological safety. So you all know, I post a lot about psychological safety. I've been posting a lot. I've been writing articles about it. And it's been um, one of the things I've been leaning into. And to me, being trauma informed and looking through that lens of trauma, listening through that lens of trauma, it goes really hand in hand with this space of creating Um, psychological safety. And I say psychological and emotional safety, and that may be a little redundant, but I feel like it's important to say because um, there is like the mental, the feeling, that mental feeling of safety, then there's this emotional feeling safety. But from from the standpoint, for the purposes of this um, talk today, this brief brief live today, I, I will sometimes refer to psychological and emotional safety separately and sometimes together. So I want to talk a little bit about what most people miss about the importance of it, about the criticalness of it. And I want to start by giving the elements. I'm going to do that by moving through the elements. So there there are these elements of psychological safety. Um, and that is, you know, it was it was sort of stated by Dr. Or Timothy Clark, who wrote the book Four Stages of Psychological Safety, Defining the Path to Inclusion and Innovation. So he sort of defines these four stages. So I'm going to talk about them, but I'm going to talk about them in the context of, you know, what people miss about them. So uh, the, the stages are safe to feel included, um, feeling safe to learn, feeling safe to contribute, and feeling safe to challenge. And, and so when we think about these four elements of psychological safety, and we think about you know, various areas of our life. I'm going to talk personal and professional because I think it's important to include both of these in the conversation. Let's start with the safe to feel included. So we think about this, especially when we think about what's going in our world and and inclusion. Um, If the first thing, when you walk into a room, when you walk into an environment, when a child walks into a school, when you walk into a new job, when you walk into a meeting, if you don't first even feel safe 
like you're included. You don't feel included in the environment. And that could be for various reasons. It could be for various um, aspects of, of perceived difference from the, the, the group that you're interacting with or even from the child and, and who they're interacting with. I think psychological safety is something that's created at the environmental level, at the group level, and even at the personal level. So if you don't feel even included, then you're going to get have your guard up. So if you think about when we are with people, we either feel safe to open up, to express, to, um, to connect, or we feel guarded, right? And one of the things that's happening today is that we are very guarded as a people. And there are multiple reasons for that. You know, there's a, a lot going on with um, injustice and inequities and, and, you know, racism and oppression and of different identities. And so it puts people on guard. The Where we are, I was just interviewing for a podcast and I shared with the host, we are at a time where empathy is at its lowest, I believe. And so what that does is it creates this condition where we're guarded. And so when you walk into a room or when I even speak of it, you think of it as a child, a child walks into a classroom and they're, they're initially going to feel guarded. But when they begin to find their, their people, their group, their community of people that, that is accepting of them, then they begin to feel included. And that guard just comes a little bit down right? It comes a little bit down. So when you are in an organization, when you're in a community and you walk into that community and immediately there's this sense of feeling included, that guard comes just a little bit down, right? So that's the first stage, just feeling included, right? Feeling like you belong in that space, okay? Now let's talk about this from the context of relationships, you know, because I think that and in, in, in the home. So I think that that gets overlooked in the home, uh, especially when there are multiple family members, you know, not just like, so for me, it's myself and my son, kind of hard not to be including him, although it can happen. Like when I'm in a busy period and, and I'm working, 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 there can be times where he does not feel included in my world, in my life. And that can um, threaten his, his, feeling of safety, right? That feeling of safety because he is my son and I'm there to protect and, and provide and nurture him, right? So as, as a parent or in, in the home community, um, we still have to consider this, this aspect of having family members feel safe to be included, especially if you have multiple family members, multiple children, which of the children are always being overtalked which of the children are always being diminished, if any, and I'm not saying this is definitely happening, but if you grew up a middle child or if you grew up a youngest child, I've heard stories where they're like, I always had to yell in order to have my voice be heard. So that's like a, an element of unintentional exclusion, but exclusion, if you will. So in the home, there's that. And then organizations, we see so many examples of what constitutes exclusion and inclusion. And so I won't go too deep into that because that's a whole discourse that we can, that we can walk in. There's whole, you know, now there's there's, there's a whole uh, industry around inclusion and diversity and belonging. And I think that, that that is where the work is being done, but I think it's useful 
to, and I, and I actually am inside of that, right? And I think, but it's useful to, to understand that there's this aspect of psychological safety that happens when people feel included, all right? So then when they feel included, they feel safe. It's the next level is feeling safe to learn. You know, are, is there a place where you feel safe to not only learn because inside of learning, guess what, is making mistakes, right? So we don't always think about learning in this context. We think of, you know, learning as taking in information, but people learn in different ways. People learn by the way, seeing things, by hearing instructions, but mostly people learn by doing. And if there's no space to make mistakes, you know, like there's no safety to learn by somewhat trial and error and making mistakes. And of course, there are in some realms, um, there is uh, there there are grave consequences to making mistakes. And most times there's always, there, there's also um, steps before you get to be released into an environment where the consequences are that grave. However, if there's not in, in the the fabric, not the fringes of mistakes. If there's not room to make mistakes as you learn, then that actually stunts the ability to learn, right? So there creates, there's a barrier to feeling safe in that environment. So let's, let's talk about it in the home and then let's talk about it in the organization. So in the home, um, there are two ways that, that that safety to learn and that safety to make mistakes can be modeled. Um, or the lack thereof, right? One is the outward criticism of the parent or the partner or the sibling. There's no matter what's happening, there's always something wrong. When the person does something positive, there's always a criticism. So constant criticism, and you could map this onto the corporate space as well, you might be hearing already, constant criticism, especially when there's a mistake, but even when there's something good that's being done, it, it actually suppresses a person's safety to learn and to be, make mistakes, which then leads to this inability to contribute, which is that next stage. But staying in the learning, the other way that I think that is, is, less, is less obvious is the modeling of perfectionism. When we, as parents, as mentors, as, um, as as siblings, when we model this sort of perfectionism, and and we're being that hard on ourselves, and that's not doesn't mean we don't strive for excellence, but when we're modeling perfectionism, that gets internalized in our kids, that gets internalized in the people around us, and it does it creates the conversation around I can't make a mistake. And mistakes are part of learning, you know, like we talk about failure and I've had many conversations. If you listen to me, if you follow me around failure being feedback, but if there's no room for failure or falling short of a goal or making a mistake, then it does take away that, that safety to learn and grow. Okay. And if there's no, and, and we've, you know, we I put it in the context of home, but think about it in the context of an organization, right? When a person first comes into an organization, we talk about, you know, employee well-being or, or, or even just in, in general, in performance, 
if there is no room and I'll give you an example, I was in, you know, in medical school, one of the things that, and in, not so much in residency for me, but I know this happens in residency for some specialties, but for, for sure in medical school, one of the things that, one of the conditions that would happen was that um, if you are on rounds and asked the question and you didn't know the exact right answer and you didn't know it fast, then that was a ding against you, right? You could be penalized for that, especially if you gave a wrong answer. Now we talked about in our last session, how different people process information. Some people, especially extroverts, they can spout off things very quickly. They process very quickly. And some people need to go inside and need to process and to feel in their body they need to, you know, take a little time and then they can come back with the answer. So when we're not accounting for these different types of learning styles, these different um, needs of processing and this, this, this need to walk things through trial and error, then we take away that, that safety to learn and grow. Okay. So in the context, context of organizations, we talk about performance and we talk about, um, you know, different elements of projects and things of that nature. If there's no allowance for, um, discourse around, you know, some trial and error, some learning, you know, meeting, being short of goals and not having that be harshly penalized, rather being a learning opportunity, then you threaten the, the, the psychological safety and thus the contributions that could be made from that employee or from that team. Okay. So this is kind of like moving into the, the safe to contribute. All right. So if you think about, you know, a contribution, there's creativity inside of contribution. And when a person doesn't even feel safe to make a mistake or to say the wrong thing, then of course they're going to be quiet, right? If, they're, if their learning style or their processing style is not honored, or if they're in an environment where there's constant criticism, constant negative feedback, constant um, you know, penalization or being, or that's being modeled, then it actually the constant over-talking, constant invalidation, constant gaslighting. Then what it does is it shuts down a person's ability or perceived ability to contribute in a meaningful way. All right. And, and, and so we think about that inside of an organization, then we can start to see where, when you're not feeling included, when you can't learn without making mistakes or perform without making mistakes, when it's penalized and when you can't contribute, well, how does that impact one's mental health, right? How does that impact one's, um, like job satisfaction, meaning, and we talk about this whole aspect of, you know, a lot of organizations right now are concerned about engagement, about retention, about recruitment. I, I hear this in the spaces and, and high turnover. Well, if, if there's an environment where one of these is missing, and I haven't even gotten to safe challenge yet, right? And one of these is missing, then over time, that starts to weigh 
and drain the energy of that person. Now, I've, I've talked about an organization. I want to bring it back to the household. Think about this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk from, of course, the space of parent, because, you know, that's how I always talk um, when, we, when we talk about the home. But we can, we can map this onto partnership and to other family. If you grew up in a home where you're, you're, you're constantly being overtalked, you're constantly being criticized, once again, constantly being gaslit, and you, and you can't make a mistake, right? Then guess what happens? It suppresses your expression. And that's what happens in family homes. And this can happen in partnerships. You know, if you have a partner who is, who you're, you're either receiving on the receiving end or the giving end of a lot of criticism, that psychological safety inside of the relationship begins to be threatened and wane. And then that connection begins to loosen. And so that can happen in the parent-child relationship, right? And it's not that it's intentional because we want the best for our kids. We want the best. We want them to grow up to be great members of society, to be uh, kind and compassionate, to be uh, successful. And, and sometimes we bring what we learn in our households and we take it into our parenting or we bring what we learned in our household and we take it into our leadership, right? This is, you know, I, I, I dropped a post yesterday, I believe it was, around um, trauma. And if we don't think we're bringing our past and our traumas, whether they're, they're multiple small intensities that have built over and caused trauma, over time or whether there are big incidents. If we don't think we're bringing that into every interaction that we have, then there's a huge blind spot that's happening. So again, this, this is this, this very tight relationship between what we've experienced and the traumas that we experience and the ability to cultivate this psychological and emotional safety. So imagine you don't feel safe to contribute well, then how in the world would you feel safe to challenge the status quo? So you see how one leads to the next, right? And so even if your idea or your challenge or your expression is a valid one, when there's no safety in the space, when the, when the, when the, the, the organization or the environment that is created or the culture that's created is not a safe culture, then a person won't challenge the status quo. Similarly in homes, you know, when we talk about, there's this conversation for conscious parenting, for, you know, um, various um, models of gentle parenting and um, coming up in a household where there is not um, room to challenge the status quo. And I mean, I came up in that kind of household and, and most of my generation did. I'm generation X in case you're wondering, came up in a household where we were not allowed to challenge the status quo. Right. And what I see now in the people that I coach and train is there is this limited expression, this suppression of full expression and then when people find themselves in, at least in what I experience in, in our trainings, 
they start to understand themselves and find themselves, they find their expression and they find their confidence. But if you're in a circumstance where the, the, the challenging of the status quo is accepted is a normalized thing. And especially if there are parameters created around that, that have everyone feel safe, then what you have is, is this growth and this creativity, this flourishing of creativity. And that's how organizations grow. And that's how organizations keep their team. I think that what I most want to, to bring is this, this expanded context, because you know, most people hear this word, this, this phrase, psychological safety, and it's sort of like this trending, you know, sort of topic or this sort of buzzword. And it's more than that. It's much more than that because there are, if you think about the elements of them and you think about the ways in which this permeates our lives, you know, we, we are communicating beings. We cannot not communicate. You know that. 7% of communication is words and the rest is everything else. 93%. So when you walk into a room, when someone walks into the room with you, you are immediately communicating. And we don't often think about how we are communicating or what we are communicating or whether our communication is, is cultivating, you know, the sort of psychological, emotional safety and whether we feel safe enough. It's not something we're always aware of. Like, what is this thing? You know, I've got my guard up. Like, I, I don't feel like I can express myself. And it's, it's not necessarily one of those things you put your finger on initially, but you can give language to it. Like, oh, it doesn't feel safe for me to, or I don't feel included. I don't feel safe to express. I don't feel safe to contribute, to learn, to not make mistakes, to challenge. Like you can begin to now look at these different elements in these areas of your life, in your organization, if you're a leader, if you're a staff, if you are, you know, a CEO, right? If you're an HR manager, like where is that showing up? If you're a parent, if you're a spouse, if you're a sibling, if you're a daughter, son, if you're a child of a parent, right? So you can begin to look at, you can look at your friendships and you can look at these elements in every area of your life and see where are you feeling safe in these domains and where are you not? And you can also look at where are you cultivating safety in these domains and where are you not, right? And then you can look at your communities and say, okay, well, if I'm constantly in communities where I don't feel safe, and it's not my charge to take up. Like if you're saying on, oh, it's not, it's I'm, I'm not feeling the charge to take up creating safety in my organization or in my community, then there are a couple of things you can do, right? You can either change communities, which is one way to do it. Like you can say, you know what, this is, this is a community I don't feel safe. I'm removing myself from this community, whether that community is your organization, whether that community is your, your, you know, spiritual community, whatever that community is, this is not a safe community. You can remove yourself from that community and that is self-compassion and taking care of yourself, right? Or even relationships, unsafe relationships, right? So narcissistic relationships can be very unsafe and can be abusive and you can choose to remove yourself from that, those relationships, you know, provided that you're out of the cycle. Like it's, I say you can choose to, and growing up as a child witness of 
domestic abuse, I know that there's a cycle and it's not as easy as it sounds. However, you know, in organizations, you might decide, you know what, this is something I want to bring to the leadership or there's something that I want to bring to the community if you're in a community and start to cultivate conversations around psychological safety. And of course, if you want um, help with that, assistance with that, that's what I'm here for. That's what I do. I do consulting, training around this work, being trauma-informed. And so these are the conversations I cultivate. These, these are the speaking engagements that I primarily do. And, um, and this is the work that I teach um, inside of my certifications as well. So um, these are conversations to be cultivated. And then if you're a leader and you're noticing, oh, we're not cultivating psychological safety in our organization, in our company, in our church communities, in our spiritual communities, if you notice that, then it's your responsibility because see, safety happens in organizations from the top down. It starts like the leaders set the tone. The leaders set the tone. If you are a parent in the household, you are the leader of that household and you set the tone of safety in the household, right? And if you are a leader in a spiritual community, a pastor or a clergy member or you know, whatever the leadership is in your spiritual community, you set the tone. If you are a leader at an organization, a CEO or a senior leader, or, you know, one of the, the higher leadership teams, a director, you set the tone, right? The leaders set the tone and others model that. And I think this is one of the things that people miss about the importance of psychological safety and how it's cultivated. Um, it's not just a buzzword. There are these elements that are critical to, to you know, if, you're, if your people in your organization don't feel safe, guess what they're going to do? They're going to leave. If your community members in your church or your spiritual community, they don't feel safe, guess what they're going to do? They're going to find another community. And if your children grow up feeling not safe, first chance they get, they're going to be out and they're going to create distance. And in the home, they may create emotional distance, but there are other more grave impacts to that as well that are outside of the context of this conversation. And so, um, you know, th this is the message that I wanted to bring today. I just wanted to kind of share that there's that psychological safety is more than a buzzword. There are elements to it. And these elements are very critical in organizations uh, for leaders, for staff, for employees, for employee resource groups and in family members on the personal side and family members and communities and groups and things of that nature. And how do you begin to cultivate those conversations and, and that space? Um, so with that said, um, I will uh, move into the concluding of this conversation. I'd love to hear your thoughts and, and how you cultivate safety in your home or how you cultivate safety in your organization. All right. So if you want to get in touch with me, you can go to this website, mindremappingacademy.com. Feel free to uh, book a call with me if you want to invite me to speak at your organization. Um, you can do the same. I will put all the links in the show notes. So 
Thanks all always for showing up and listening. And I will uh, see you on the next podcast. Y'all stay empowered. Hey, thanks for listening. Remember, I want you to apply these principles in your life every day. But also, I want you to share this podcast with others in your life who you think it could help, a friend, a colleague, or family member. And remember, go hit the subscribe button so you will know when our next episode is released. Finally, I'd really appreciate if you did me a favor and left a review. It really lets others know that this podcast can make a difference in their life as well. See you on the next episode.